Amen. Good morning, Dorisville. The choices we make can affect our lives 10, 20, 30 years down the road. You know, I picked that video about three weeks ago, and uh, I saw it again this morning. I said, wow, that really was good. I must have a good day that day. Pick such a good video. I want to talk today about holy, holy, that's W-H-O-L-L-Y, H-O-L-Y. And I brought a special friend today um, for us to meet. Uh, He's a little shy, doesn't talk very much. Next time you guys clean your own house, okay? but he's a little shy, but, but I want to introduce you to him. Um, his name is Buck. His mother gave him that name. I, I can sympathize because my mother gave me Dwayne Eugene. And, and I never say the other part, so Buck, I understand. Now, Buck being shy is not going to talk today, but... But he asked me to talk for him. We had a little talk this morning, and he asked me to share a little bit of his story. You see, Buck, um, Buck was the kind of deer that any mom and dad would be proud of. Um, he was born little, and uh, well, most deer are. And he grew up and became a, a big buck. And, and he did that because he was a, a wise buck. And um, you don't get horns, whoops, you don't get antlers like this. I do know the difference. You don't get antlers like this, you know, unless you're really a wise deer. And so that's how he did that. You know, he really was just a smart deer. And then as he got a little bit older, you know, like six or seven months of the year, he was so smart. And he was a success. And and other bucks would look at him and go, boy, that, that buck, he's got it all together. And, and he, would, he would say to you, if, if he wasn't shy, he would tell you, you know, nothing will ever happen to me. I've got it together. I mean, I didn't get this rack here, you know, just by being a normal deer. I'm smart. And then something happened. Long about August or September, his hormones started changing. And before that, Buck's mentality was one word. Survival. He was bound and determined to live. And then about August, September, things started changing. About September was probably a 50-50 shot. Half the time he thought about survival. And half of the time he thought about his girlfriend named Doe. A deer, a female deer. And as time progressed later that fall, Bud... Thought more and more like Doe. Like, like, you know, hi Doe, how you doing? And before long, he totally forgot survival. And all he could think about was his girlfriend named Doe. And then one day, he was walking through the woods. And some mean old hunter named Chris Evans <laughs> saw him and shot him and killed him dead. And he has ended up now in church, which is pretty incredible, but he regularly hangs on Chris Evans' wall. Why? Because he forgot thinking about survival and started thinking about something else. Now, we are a lot like our friend Buck. Because in our spiritual world, if we are Christ's followers, 
We too have to be very, very wise. We too have to have a concerted thought life, a concentrated thought life. And most of us, like Buck, maybe a lot of us have been in church a long, long time. And we would say, we are so wise, nothing would ever happen to me that would cause me to be on, on somebody's wall. And guess what? It, it, it happens. And, and, and in case you're here and you're only a spike buck, you know, you've only been like saved like eight months, six months, five months. And you say, well, see, I, 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 when I get old like him, like Buck, then I will be a, a better, I'll, be, I'll get wise then. You know, Satan likes young bucks too. So we want to talk today about this topic. Is what happened to Buck, is it avoidable, avoidable or is it inevitable? In the spiritual realm, is it just the fact of life that each one of us are going to end up on Satan's wall... At one time or another, or is it avoidable? Can we live in such a way that we can have victory over sin and Satan? And the answer is yes. And our scripture today comes from 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 13 through 19. And, and it's really cool because Peter has been here and done that. He at one time ended up on Satan's wall like our friend Buck and like many of us. You know, there was a time when, when Jesus looked and said, now listen. All you guys are going to deny me. And what did Peter say? Not me. Just like our friend Buck. It will never happen to me. I've walked by some windows before and I've seen my friends on walls, but it will never happen to me. Well, Peter said exactly that. It will never happen to me. And guess what? He denied Jesus. He walked with Jesus for three days, he had, uh, three years. He had seen the incredible miracles that Jesus did. And he turned right around and denied him three times. I don't even know the man. In fact, cursed when he said it. So it's encouraging to hear from a guy who had been there and done that. And we want to learn how can we avoid becoming a trophy on Satan's wall. Now, our scripture again, 1 Peter and chapter 1, verses 13 through 19. Your sermon sheet has the Holman Christian Standard. We will be preaching from that, but my Bible is a, is a New King James. And I'd like us to read the scripture this morning before we preach through it. Okay? So we're going to be in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse number 13. Therefore, gird up the loins of your mind. Okay? We'll, we'll de King James it in just a minute. Be sober and rest your hope fully upon the grace... That is to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. As obedient children, not conforming yourselves to the former lust, as in your ignorance. That he who called you is holy, you also be holy in your own conduct. Because it is written, be holy, for I am holy. If I, and if you call on the Father, who without partiality judges according to each one's work, conduct yourselves throughout the time of your stay here in fear. Knowing that you are not redeemed with corruptible things like silver or gold from your aimless conduct received by tradition from your fathers. But with the precious blood of Christ as of a lamb without blemish and without spot. Let's pray. Well, Father, thank you so much for the privilege of standing here today. Father, Satan so wants us to stumble and fall. And yet I believe as Christ followers, and I know my friends believe here today, that that does not have to be. In fact, it is not inevitable. It can be avoided. But Father, we need your help today. 
Because a lot of us are like our friend Buck here. We think we're so mature that it can never happen to us. And some of us, frankly, don't care. Sin sometimes has pleasure, and we sometimes like the pleasure of sin, and we need to repent and come home to you, please. So have your way in our hearts today. And Jesus, I pray this in your precious name. Amen. Amen. All right. First off, we're going to look at this. Here's the first thing if you got your sermon sheet. Mind your mind. Mind your mind. The first way to avoid ending up like Buck on Satan's wall is to mind your mind. Here's what Peter writes in verse 13. Therefore, and by the way, if you look up in the previous verses, the therefore refers to the great hope of our salvation. Okay? Therefore... With your mind ready for action. So we need to have a determined mind. We need to have a very laser-focused mind. The mind's an incredible, incredible thing. And have you ever heard the saying before? And by the way, notice this is not in Scripture. But have you heard it before? An idle mind is the devil's workshop. An idle mind is the devil's workshop. And there's a lot of truth, once again, not scriptural, but there's a whole lot of truth in that. And Peter's teaching us that, that we have to have a mind that is ready for action. We have to have a mind that we're willing to control how we think. Here's what Paul wrote in Philippians chapter 4. Now listen carefully. Finally, brethren, brothers and sisters, whatever things are true, whatever things are Noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report, if there is any virtue and if there's anything praiseworthy. Now, here's the word I like in the King James. Meditate on these things. Please let me go back to last week. It is not enough to show up and hope that you'll grow up. It's not even enough to get up in the morning and have your quiet time and read this precious book that we call the Word of God. We've got to meditate on the things we read and allow that to permeate. We meditate, meditate and then we permeate our mind with the Word of God. Because an empty mind is, in fact, the devil's workshop. He loves to shoot arrows into our head. And have you ever, have you ever been walking down the road or something and you go... Where did that come from? I can, can I be transparent with you? That always scares some of you, doesn't it? A long time ago, at least 15 years ago, maybe 20 years ago, but I was, I was you know, I was a, a maturing Christian. Not mature now, but I was maturing then and, and still maturing. But, but I remember I was talking to Judy in the car and a curse word just came out of my mouth. And we weren't mad. We weren't fighting. We were just talking. And I looked at her, and she looked at me, and I said, where did that come from? I don't know to this day. But I also know this, that sometimes I'm walking along, and some really wretched thought will pop into my head. And you go, where did that come from? I can tell you where that comes from. It comes from Satan. But here's the deal. Here, let me put it this way, men, in a way that you can understand. If you look at a lady, the first look is free. The second one's going to cost you. The first look is free. If a thought pops into your head, that's not necessarily a sin. But when you decide to let that, that thought dwell in your mind, you are in sin. You know, a bird can land in your hair. That's okay. But if it builds a nest, 
That's not okay. So we need to have laser-focused minds thinking on things that are true and good and just, all those things. And then he says this. Therefore, with your mind ready for action, be serious. So we have to have a serious mindset, a serious mindset. Now, let me tell you what that doesn't mean. Having a serious mindset doesn't mean you never smile. Okay? Some believers look like they have a perpetual case of the flu. I mean, like you just walked out of the bathroom and you just wrenched your guts out. And we wonder why the world doesn't want what we've got. If, if there is anybody that has a, a right and a privilege and a reason to smile, it is the ones who have experienced the marvelous, amazing grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. So being serious-minded doesn't mean that you frown all the time. It does mean, though, that you approach, approach your faith Seriously. You take it seriously. Let me illustrate this way. It's, uh, it's last fall. Sometime. And a storm was coming through your area. It crossed your mind and you said this. One of these days, I think I'll buy a storm shelter. Okay? Just crossed your mind. The storm passed. Didn't buy a storm shelter. Fast forward to February the 29th at 4.56 in the morning. You're either in a storm zone or close to the storm zone or you live in Harrisburg. On that day, all of a sudden, a storm shelter became a very high priority. People who never thought about storm shelters all of a sudden are thinking about storm shelters. Why? Because of the experience of the tornado, they now take seriously the need of a storm shelter. When Paul says that, or when Peter says that we're to be serious in our faith, we're to have the mindset where we understand we could end up like Buck, that Satan is a formal foe, and that if we're going to be successful as Christians, we've got to allow God to own us and possess us and do what he calls us and tells us to do. We've got to be serious. You, you can't be casual in your faith. You've got to be serious in your faith. But it also means this. The word in the Greek carries the idea of being, the King James is sober, to be serious-minded, but to be self-controlled. To, to exercise, in a way, self-control. And I still believe this. In Philippians 4.13, where it says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I think a lot of us had the mentality, what if Mr. Buck said, I don't have to worry about hunters because I'm invincible. I, I, I don't have to worry about hunters because my Creator will protect me. He'll end up on the wall. Now, we serve an awesome God. We serve a powerful God. But the first part of that verse says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. We have a responsibility. We have an accountability. God will enable us and empower us to be victorious and not end up on a wall. But we've got to take that step. Some of you guys, we stumble into sin and we go, well, it's not my fault. If God didn't want me, he would have. No. He empowers us. But we've got to be willing to exercise that self-control. we got to be willing to do what he says. I can do, that's me, all things, that's circumstances in life, through Christ who strengthens me. That's God. That's God. So we have to have a, one, 
a determined mindset. We've got to have a serious mindset. But watch this. Let me read verse 13 all together now. Therefore, with your minds ready for action, be serious and set your hope completely on the grace to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Peter is looking forward to a day when... Isn't this crazy how this has popped up in the last several sermons? Not intentionally. Peter is looking forward to a day when Jesus is coming back. Set your mind, set your eyes on that day. On the grace that will be exhibited that day. Now, let's pause. If you are a believer in Jesus Christ today, okay, there was a time in your life. Now, I'm, I'm going to use the real spiritual word. There's a time in your life, if you're a believer, when you were sanctified. You were set apart by God's grace and to his family. But, in an everyday sense, you are being sanctified. You are being set apart by God. As you grow in Jesus Christ, as you follow Jesus Christ, you're becoming more and more like him. You're being sanctified. And one day, you will be sanctified. One day, via death or the rapture, every one of us is going to leave this world. Can I have an amen? We're going to leave this world. And we will be forever set apart from sin. Got that? One day you were saved. Here's an easier word. One day you were saved. You trusted Jesus Christ as your Savior. Then, since then, you're being saved. That is, God is giving you victory over sin in this world. And one day you will be saved, either via the rapture. You'll leave this world and you'll ultimately be saved in the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ. One day you experience God's grace. As you walk in this world, you are experiencing God's grace. And one day you will ultimately experience God's grace when he takes you home. That is the grace that Peter's talking about. Let me read it again. Set your hope completely on the grace, when, Dwayne, to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Now, here's the deal. This might be worth writing down. The more you believe that, the more you'll behave that. Can I say it again? The more you believe that, the more you will behave that. The more you believe this, the more you will behave this. And what's really cool, I have to bring this up every once in a while, because some of y'all sitting there going, that's right, boy, we got to keep those rules. The whole rule thing is, again, more about our benefit than God. Because God wrote the rules to give us the best life possible here, preparing us for life there. So it behooves us to believe it deeply, so we'll behave it deeply. And the more you behave it, the less chance you'll find yourself on the wall next to our friend Buck. Now some of you know what I'm talking about. Some of you have walked long enough in this world and you've got some dark clouds in your life that you wish were not there. You may have some dark clouds right now you wish weren't there. And you go, that's right, Dwayne. See, we don't usually walk away from God. We behave ourselves away from God. And that's what he's saying. As we look forward to this grace, keep your eyes focused on the day Jesus Christ is coming back. So have a determined mindset. Have a serious 
mindset. And have a mindset for the long view. For the long view. For the long view. Not the short run. The short run will kill you. The long view will give you life. Mind your mind. Secondly, this. Be holy, holy. Now, this is good. Let me read it to you all the way and we'll come back and talk through it. Verses 14. As obedient children, do not be conformed to the desires of your former, former ignorance. But as the one who called you is holy, you also are to be holy in all your conduct, in all your conduct, in all your conduct. For it is written, be holy because I am holy. As obedient children. Now, let me see if I get this out from memory. Listen carefully. Obedience never produces believers. Obedience never produces believers. But true belief will always produce obedience in a believer. True belief will always produce obedience in a believer. Again, as you believe this book... It will produce obedience. It's a natural cause and effect. I believe that if I jumped off the pinnacle of this building, I would die. I have no plans to go by a ladder from, from Janet at Drunk's Hardware and climb a ladder and jump off. I'm not going to test God that way. I know I'll die. It's a truth I believe, so I'm not going to do it. Hence, the more we believe the Word of God, the more we behave like the Word of God asks us to. Does that make sense? It's huge, guys. It's huge. It's huge if you're a student. It's huge if you're a single adult. It's huge if you're a median adult or one of our senior, senior adults. It always remains true. As obedient children, do not be conformed to the desires of your former ignorance. Don't be conformed to the desires of your former life before you met Jesus. Okay? See, the Bible says that sin does have a pleasure for a season. We cannot deny the fact that some sin is pleasurable. And if we're not careful, those desires will creep back in and impact your present life. Desires that you used to have that you thought were dead and gone, if you're not careful, will pop back into your life and impact your life today. Buck may have thought, I had it licked. And one day he decided to chase Doe again, his girlfriend, and Chris popped him. And ten points or not, he's still dead. Now, I want to tell you a story that I would hope I'd never have to tell you. And don't be freaking out. But to me, it's very important. Four years and two months ago, I woke up on the Tuesday morning after Labor Day. And for some reason said, that's it, I'm tired of my weight, I'm walking away from it, I'm going to get healthy. And I did. I mean, I was like five days a week on the treadmill, I ate healthy, ate healthy, ate healthy. I even swore off sweets for like seven months. It was an incredible thing. I lost a huge amount of weight. I mean, a huge amount of weight. We're talking like 60 pounds. And yeah, I got too skinny. I know, y'all remember that? Yeah, you look like I had leukemia. Yeah, I know that. But here's the story. I've never, in my entire life, I've been up and down my weight forever. But usually it lasts about six months, seven months. You lose the weight, and you just go off and you put it back on. It didn't happen. 
I mean, I stayed faithful. I mean, I walked. And I still remember going to the family reunion like 18 months into that journey. And my, my sister said these words. She cursed me. She said, you've got this thing lit. You've got this thing lit. And I said, no, I don't. I know, I'm, I'm sure I don't. And over time, I slowly played with it. I, I became a little less, a little, listen, listen, a little less faithful in my walking. I ate a little bit more of the things I shouldn't eat. And slowly over time, I walked away. To the point now where I'm, I'm not where I was, but I'm so close I could spit at it. And I've got a doctor's point with Dr. Yule for physical. And I'm pretty certain I don't want to hear what he's got to say on several levels. I never intended to be where I am right now. I looked in the mirror as I went and put my microphone this morning. I said, how exactly did you get where you are? And the answer is, I conformed to the desires of my ignorance, my former life. I went right back to doing what I knew was unhealthy until I reached a point of unhealthiness. And I can tell you this. You know what the coup de grace was? The tornado. Up to that point, I was still on the treadmill some. I was still watching my food. But in the stress, you know us stress eaters, if we're happy, we eat. If we're sad, we're eating. If we're stressed, we're eating. If we're bad, this we're eating. You know what I mean? Well, that day, Gene and I both got off the treadmill. And we've not virtually been back on. Oh, maybe once or twice. You say, well, Dwayne, you're doing something good. You were helping people. Yes, I was. But guess what? That's no excuse. Now, I, that's not about... It's not a, I didn't give you that story about me. I won't give you that story about you. Because if you're not careful, you will conform to the former desires of your ignorance, of your old life. Things that you said, I will never do, you'll do. And things that you said, well, they did it, but I'll never do it, you'll find yourself in that same puddle. And things that you gave up and swore off, the gossip, the lying, the cheating, the bitterness, the anger, those things start creeping in. And one day you wake up and you're stuck on somebody's wall, on Satan's wall. And Peter warns us and says, don't be conformed to those former desires. Now, here's what he says. But as the one who called you is holy, you also are to be holy in all your conduct. In all your conduct. For it's written, be holy, because I am holy. Now, what's the word holy mean? The, holy means? the word holy means set apart. God, be holy. God is set apart. So we are set apart. Now, there's a positional part to that. Once you trust Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you are forever set apart in God's holiness. And all the powers of hell can never, 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 never change that. You are set apart as holy. But there's a practical side of that. And that's the choices we make as we go through this life when we choose to obey or disobey, no matter how we rationalize or excuse, when we choose to obey or disobey this word. So, personal holiness, Buck, has got to be cultivated. You've got to work to maintain your personal holiness. Just like I had to work to keep the weight off. And when I stopped working, I started gaining. And when you stop working, you're going to start sinning. The only question is, is 
how big, how long, and how much consequences. It's just a fact of life that this personal holiness has got to be cultivated. And here's cool. When we choose to obey, not because we have to, but we have loving obedience. In other words, I obey because I love God and what he did for me. Then guess what? It produces godly character in us and it changes us. Be holy, set apart, because I am holy, says the Lord. Which ends us up with this thing called, on your seat, single parent. Single parent. Single parenting is really hard in this world. It's really tough. But you know, spiritually, you've got to be, you've got to adopt a parent. See, he says there in verse number 17, and if you address as father, aha, uh-huh. so everyone spiritually has a father. If you're here today and you're breathing, you have a father. You can't have two. Jesus said, no man can serve two masters. He'll love one or hate the other. And you can't have two daddies. Either today, your father is God or your father is Satan. Jesus' words, not mine. You have to have a daddy. And if you choose, now this is why it's important. If you've chosen not to take God as your father, by default you've got the other one. And that's what the cross is all about. We'll talk about that at the end. The ability to change your family from a lost family with Satan as dad to a holy family with God as your father. We'll talk about that at the end. Okay? Hugely, hugely important. But for those of us who know Jesus Christ... Who don't want to end up like Buck on a wall somewhere? Listen to what he says. And if you address as father the one who judges impartially. Now, let's pause there. I don't want to miss this. If you're a note taker, write this down. In the Greek, the word impartially literally translates without the face. Without the face. And what Peter is saying is the father we're talking about. As father, the one who judges impartially is the one who does not look on what everybody else sees. They look on what no one else sees. Not what you do at church, but what you do on Friday nights. Not the way you treat your family here, but the way you treat your family at home. Not the way you conduct yourselves in front of believers but how you conduct yourself when you're out in the world. So if, if you serve, if you address as father, the one who judges without the face based on each one's work, he judges based on each one's work. That's a scary thought. Wait a minute. Wayne, what about grace? Grace is going to get you to heaven. But you need to understand that God judges and God judges our conduct here. Ask Ananias and Sapphira, who were bucks, who ended up on somebody's wall. God killed them dead. But God also will judge us in heaven, not for the penalty of our sin, but to give account for our lives. We shall all, Paul said, we shall all stand before the judgment seat of Christ. That's a scary thought. I'm dreading that. Because I know there's some junk in my life that you don't know about. I want to say that I better qualify that. I mean, nothing like, wow, but some things I've said, you know, to people that wasn't kind. And one day you're going to all get to hear that because it's all going to be reviewed one day. And we're going to be in this big, long line. 
And my life's going to be played before you. And you're going to go, I can't believe you did that. That was my pastor. And I'm going to go, I can't believe you did that. What are my deacons? It's a good reason to take seriously what we're preaching today. There will be a time of accountability. If you address as father the one who judges him partially based on each one's work. Here, here, watch, watch. Don't miss this. You are to conduct yourselves in fear during the time of your temporary residence. If you, if you call God father today, anybody call God father today? Yes, then, then every Christ follower who claims God as father should live their life in fear here, in deep reverence during our journey here. That doesn't leave a lot of door for perpetual sin. That doesn't leave a lot of doors open for habitual sin. Hmm. Peter says, if you're going to do this, man, you've you, you got, you got to live here in reverence and in fear. Because in two ways, if you're not careful, you end up on somebody's wall, like our friend Buck here. You're going to look good, but it ain't going to be pretty. And one day we're going to stand before the judgment seat of Christ. I mean, this is scriptural. This is not some vague teaching. It's scriptural. Dwayne, tell me why you lived the way you lived. Tell me why you spent the money the way you spent the money. Tell me why you spent your time the way you spent your time. And why did you do that? You'll be just for the penalty of your sin, but why did you do that? Wow. If Buck had done that, he'd be a 15-pointer by now. But Buck just lost his focus. He thought it'd be someone else, not him. And one day, he got popped. He got popped. So let's close now with what I think is like an incredible encouragement. You, you remember, if you're 50, old, 50 years old, you can remember this. Do y'all remember when it wasn't Master Charge? It was Master Card? Yeah? Yeah, I'm sorry. I got it backwards. When it was Master Charge and not Master Card. It's Master Card now. Remember that? And, and there's a cool t-shirt. You get the little t-shirt with the card on it. It said, give Christ, let Christ be the Master Charge of your life. Let the Master have charge of your life. Something like that. Remember that? Well, I got on here, Master Christ is priceless. Look at this. For you know. You know. You know. You know. You were redeemed. You were bought back. Now we're going to go this to my... You were, if you're a believer today, you were bought back from your empty way of life. Oh, do you remember how it was without Christ? Remember how empty it was? You woke up and said, man, if I die, I'm going to split hell wide open. You woke up and like no one loved me. God didn't care about me, it seemed. And then one day you met Jesus and it changed everything. He said, you were redeemed from your empty way of life. Inherited from your fathers, from Adam on. You were redeemed not with perishable things like silver or gold. I saw a story on the news when these guys found 15 Baby jars full of gold, gold dust. 
They were cleaning out the ductwork, and somebody tucked it in there. Can you imagine like 15 baby jars, the tall baby jars of gold? They were honest and turned it in, which was cool. Imagine that, though. We hold gold at high esteem. We hold George and Grant and Jackson, Jackson and Benjamin Franklin in high esteem. Paul would look at that and say, you weren't redeemed by some piece of paper that says, you know, the Federal Reserve backed up by the United States government. You weren't redeemed with that. You were redeemed with silver, but with the precious blood of Jesus Christ. Like a lamb without defect or blemish. Let's take three minutes. Go back with me. You've heard the story to its old news. Listen again. Born of a baby. Lived a sinless life. Willingly. Would you please say willingly with me? Willingly went to a cross. Of which Roman soldiers who made their living brutalizing the human body made much of his. They stripped the flesh away on his back and on his chest. The bones were exposed. Tendons were gone. Muscle was gone. And yet he still somehow carried his cross most of the way up to Calvary. He willingly laid his arms out and they drove spikes through his wrist and through his feet. And he hung there until... He said, it is finished. And then the Bible says, he gave up his spirit. In other words, he willed himself to die. I believe with all my heart that they could not kill him because he was God in flesh. He willed himself to die. And God in the flesh, now get that. God in the flesh allowed all that to happen, not to mention... That the wrath of his father was poured out and he who knew no sin became sin. Every lustful thought, every simple act you did was on him that day. And he did it to redeem you. He did it because he loved you. He did it because he cared for you. He did it because he couldn't bear the thought of you being eternally separated from him. That's why he did it. And that's a big reason why we should have a determined mind. Why we should have a serious mindset. Why we should look for the long view. Why we we should, as obedient children, not be conformed to that junk we used to do. God's given us His Holy Spirit to overcome that. Not to be conformed to the junk we used to do, but be set apart as He's set apart. Knowing that as our Father, He's watching us. He loves us. Sometimes enough to discipline. And enough to hold us accountable. See, it's a high privilege to be called a child of God. Amen? It's a high privilege to be called the child of God. But please don't make the presumption that God just whistles over our conduct. Again, I will never pay the penalty of my sin. But I will be held accountable for my life. He did all that on that because he loved me. There's a great verse I'll close with. I used it sometime in the past. It's 2 Corinthians 2.14. Let me read it to you. 
But thanks be to God. Who always puts us on display in Christ. And through us spreads the aroma of the knowledge of him in every place. I told you that day. That I know it's a bad illustration. But it's like seeing all the deer heads on the wall. Those are trophies. It wasn't a bad illustration. It's a perfect illustration. Because Christ the King, we will be in his triumphal procession as captives of his. Glorious captives of his. Redeemed captives of his. In fact, did you know there's a ministry for men that have deer heads that says, and the name of the ministry is Trophies of Grace? You, dear brothers and sisters, if you know Jesus Christ as Savior, you are a trophy of grace. Please look at neighbor and say, I'm a trophy of grace. And you are. God's not going, oh man, even with all I said, he's not going, oh man, I've got to let him in. You are a trophy of God. He's proud of you. He loves you and wants anything but this. He doesn't want you to end up on Satan's wall. He wants you in his procession. And there goes one of my trophies. There goes one of my trophies. There was one of my trophies for the reason of that we might be an aroma of the knowledge of him in every place. When people look at our lives as trophies of grace, not our perfection, none of us are going to be perfect. But our tro- as a trophy of grace, there's an aroma about us, not dead deer. You know, have you ever had your windows down, driving down the road, and whew, there's one about there ready to blow up? Think about that lunch. Not dead deer, but living, sanctified, redeemed children of God, saints of God. And that's what he wants and is for us, through us, and to us. Would you bow your heads right there? I hope the image of old Buck up here stays in our mind a long time. See, the question is this. Whose wall are you going to end up on? Now, God, through his wonderful grace, never intends you to stumble and fall like Peter. That was not God's will. He wants you to be victorious. And through Christ, you are and can be. But you've got to be willing. I'm going to go see Dr. Yule on Tuesday. He's going to say, Dwayne, you're too heavy. Your sugar may be too high. Your blood pressure is not good. He's going to give me a list of things. I just know it. I just know it. I just know it. And what am I going to do with the information? Am I going to whine, complain, mow? Or am I going to do something about it? I pray I've got the courage to do something about it. Spiritually, God's called us into his office today. He says, now come on. You know there's some things in your life right now. What are you going to do with them? And the choice is yours. Choose wisely. You saw the video. Choose wisely and God's going to do some incredible work in your life. Choose wrongly. And one day, somehow, some way, you may be a little trophy on Satan's wall or big trophies on Satan's wall. I don't know if it's wrong to say this or not, but you all know the story what's going around in Harrisburg with the pastor. Don't say that to gossip. He's a big trophy on the wrong wall. Oh, by the way, you know what I prayed that morning? God, help me not to be stupid. You know what you need to be praying? God, 
don't let me be stupid. Buck here was stupid. God, don't let me be stupid. My invitation is twofold. If you've never trusted Jesus Christ as Savior, my friend Brent will be down front. And boy, we'd like to tell you about Jesus. I know Brent's been a Christian a long time. I've been a Christian a long time. This room is filled with people who've walked with Jesus a long time. And we'd be the first to tell you it's been an incredible ride. Knowing Jesus Christ is the best thing that ever happened to me. And they would tell you the same thing. We would love to tell you about Jesus today. If you're a follower of Christ, you need to evaluate. You need to look in your heart. Okay, God, you know this is going on, this is going on. God, I'm hate, I am or I'm heading down a road that's going to put me on the wall. I want to be in your procession, not on the wall. Lord, help me to live like the trophy of grace that I am. He'll give you the power. He'll give you the strength to do it. But you, you have a part too. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for this privilege of sharing this word today. So applicable to our lives. Father, please, for my friend who's never trusted Christ, who is out there and they're on their own, they're, they're bumping their way through life, and they have the wrong dad, give them a new dad today. Help them to put their faith and trust in Jesus and become their Heavenly Father. Give them the courage to step out this morning. Take Brent by the hand and say, I want this Jesus more than anything. Give them that courage. And God, for all the rest of us, all the rest of us, may we live like trophies of grace. May we make conscious steps to live as you have called us to live for victory and proclamation in your name. Amen.